All right. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the casting couch. It's your host, Q, Quinn McDowell. And this week's guest, someone near and dear to my heart, someone that's, uh, you know, I've been closely associated with and become friends with over the last five, six, seven years, it seems. Um, you know, someone that's really helped me out, taught me a lot, just especially about fishing here in NorCal. Uh, I mean, this man is an icon. You know, he's world renowned. Um, just a history buff, um, you know, a, a current news buff, you know, just stands on his grounds, on his morals, knows where he stands on on his issues, um, you know, and definitely you know where you stand with this guy. So, ladies and gentlemen, who I'm talking about is the one, the only, Jack motherfucking Trout. How you doing tonight, Jack? Oh, we're doing great. I mean, I'm just glad to be hanging out with you and uh, living here in Mount Shasta. It's it's a privilege. Yeah, yeah. So you're telling a little story about actually how you figured you'd end up here in Mount Shasta. So, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where You grew up where? Uh, Portola, California. And... Uh, you know, my, my dad was the local school teacher there, and uh, so that usually equated to uh, we got in the most trouble, all the teachers' kids. <laughs> <laughs> we did, you know. And, uh, but we, we played sports against, uh, you know, over here in Shasta. You know, we played against McLeod in basketball, and, you know, we, uh, I ran track. And, you know, if you won North Sections, you'd be running against uh, meets over here at the College of the Siskiyous. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we stopped at Round Table Pizza. I'll never forget. And, you know, I, I had a piece of pizza in my mouth. I got back up on the bus and I looked up at the mountain. You know, and there it was. I mean, the diamond in my eye. I mean, the, the mother of, of all earth looking at me and I realized, you know, what, what a, what a great place to live someday, you know, as I'm chomping on this pizza. Yeah. And, it was like, what, a yeah. 15, 17 year old? No, how old I was are 15. You? Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and then it was kind of like, you know, Opie leaves Mayberry. I, le I left Portola Gregal area, which is kind of the, they call the Las Sierras, uh, uh, Tahoe. It's north of Tahoe, about 50 miles north of Trekkie. Yeah. Unfortunately, they've had all the fires over there. So, <coughs> oh, you know, one of the schools, I played football. On, we lost on uh, Greenville's football field. That town is gone. Holy cow. Yeah, Canyon Dam, you know, around Lake Almanor. And uh, it, it, it's so... Um, uh, devastating because uh, you know some of the people I went to school with you know they lived there and one of the guys uh, Lauren that I went to school with actually um, his house was the only house that survived on his street everybody's street I mean everybody's house on that street uh, had actually burned down and he was just devastated from feeling guilty 
uh, about being the only house that survived. And, and I said to him, you know, Warren, you got to realize, I mean, you're a victim too, because every day when you drive back home through your neighborhood, you've got to witness that and feel that guilt. You're a victim. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so, you know, what's happened with the fires over from my area, I mean, I can't not uh, talk about that and, and deny it. Uh, you know, of course, I came from that area and, uh, you know, came into the Shasta area uh, and, and realized that, you know, during that time, ESPN had a show with Tommy Sanders that was on Saturdays. And I had moved from the, the Portola area down to the Bay Area for four years and sold real estate. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I actually did pretty well. I mean, I um, hit a market that was really good during that time. Uh, but it was kind of like Opie leaves Mayberry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. When I got down there, I realized. Well, I well let me ask this. Well, I mean. What was it like growing up in Portola? You know, like your childhood. I've been, um, so my wife has an aunt. Um, <clears throat> well, an aunt and uncle. Her uncle passed, um, you know, years ago. And um, they bought a place in Gray Eagle. And I've been there. One of the funniest stories. So it's like Mother's Day, right? I'm there with my wife. And um, uh, her parents, uh, my father-in-law's mother, she's like 90-some years, you know, not old at the time. Um, and like I say, we're at Aunt Penny and Uncle Dave's house. Uh, one of their sons, who's like a comedian, is there. And then uh, Uncle Bob and Aunt Phyllis are there. Aunt Flo, that's what she, she like, we call her Aunt Flo. <clears throat> And so we're sitting there, you know, in the in this place, a gray eagle, all around Mother's Day, and uh, freaking like I'm, I have a few tags. It's I think I have like a bear tag and a deer tag, and I'm like, I'm gonna get up early, go out, and like, oh, it's turkey season. I'm like, I'm gonna get up early and go see if I can go get some turkeys. And so uh, we started talking about hunting, and. Uncle Uncle Bob and Aunt Flo, they live in Sonoma County. And Uncle Bob, all of a sudden, like we're sitting there and I'm talking about harvesting animals and, you know, like hunting and all this stuff. So people are like genuinely interested. And all of a sudden, Uncle Bob like slams his hands on the table and he's like, enough, enough of this. He's like, I can't take it anymore. And he's like, you're talking about killing Little bunnies. He's like, they're they're little fluffy bunnies. Like, they don't hurt anybody. And I'm like, but they're delicious. And he's like, what the... And he, like, loses his mind. The comedian, he's, like, sitting there. He starts cracking up. Like, not helping the situation at all. And I just have to sit there, like, with my mouth closed. Aunt Flo is like, Uncle Bob, like, just let's calm down. Like, you know, he's like... And she has to explain. She's like, you know, he has a hard time around this time with Mother's Day and, like, escorts him out of the house. They have to go for a walk, you know. Like, it was one of those family moment explosions that, like, you know, you just 
never imagined happens to you, but it happened to me because I was talking about harvesting and hunting animals, and Uncle Bob is a diehard animal lover, which we all have those in our family, but, you know, he understands that I mean no ill will. Like, I'm trying to harvest animals so I can feed myself. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> it was it was just one of those funny, crazy stories. Yeah. Mother's well, Day. Eagle, California is a great place on earth. I mean. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. You got the Feather River there. And <clears throat> I grew up, you know, uh, going down to the Middle Fork Feather River and uh, fishing as early as five years old. Oh, geez. Um, like, how were you fly fishing, fishing at five? No, I was, no, I, you know, it's like Gerber's. We all start with yeah. pots and eggs, right? Yeah. And work our way up. But by, what age by, did you start fly fishing? About nine. Okay, cool. Because Sadie Jean, like, I got her a fly rod last year, and I make sure that when we go out fishing, like, she uses it a couple times. But right now, she really prefers, a, I call it the, the chuck and wine. Hey, so, but yeah, I let her go no, for it. No doubt that just any any form of getting off the couch and mm-hmm. getting out into the outdoors is so important for everybody right now because uh, the one thing that uh, children and uh, people, humans, you know, lack right now uh, is hobbies, is being in the outdoors. I always say uh, the only thing in life that's perfect is nature. Everything else is naturally imperfect. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, not everybody lives in Gray Eagle, you know? Like, yeah. what, did you have a crick in your backyard? What? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, or just probably walking distance at least, but, you know, like... Nowadays, you know, we've got so many children, so many people that are in cities and things like that. I mean, what kind of advice would you give to those people that are, in a sense, landlocked, you know, urbanized, in a sense, like to kind of get out? And because, I mean, you know, there's tons of people in the Bay Area that are chomping at the bit that would love to fly fish. And their closest place to get to is like Poudre Creek or feather river you know that's at least an hour away for these guys two hours if you're talking about traffic yeah it's really difficult um but i would suggest embracing local clubs because uh, clubs uh actually group people together and um, as a whole you know you can get transportation out of the cities uh to rural rural places rivers uh, places where you can get free instruction, uh, learn hobbies. Hobbies are so important. With everybody else going backwards, you need to get it. Nope. Oh, okay. With everybody uh, going forwards, <laughs> everybody driving. Sorry, that was my phone, folks. Uh, with everybody driving faster than their windshields forward. It's great to embrace things that allow you to go backwards, you know, such as fly fishing, archery, um, things that really bring us back to our roots. Trapping is something like Trapping, I want to get into. Carson, you know, yeah. trail finding, reading you know, let history, me... reading history. Can you, uh, I mean, identify some of these clubs? 
Uh, like I know about some of the San Francisco fly fishing clubs, things like that. Um, but that's something that people really don't talk about a lot is the clubs. Um, yeah. Yeah. The clubs really, especially any of the youth that is listening, uh, to this podcast right now, clubs are like, you know, it's like baseball cards and stamps. It's either hit or miss, you know, uh, with whoever it's with, you know, but these clubs really need, uh, the youth to come in and uh, embrace um, hobbies and, and, yeah. and getting together and camaraderie. And but I mean, Jack, like, sorry, that was like booming. But like, uh, PlayStation's a hobby. Yeah, but <laughs> the problem with that is, uh, I right, say Gaia? there's right? nothing wrong with that. PlayStation's I don't do it, a hobby. But how about balance? balance yeah because you look, gotta get outside well look at it you from this gotta standpoint. get outside think about it from this standpoint <clears throat> 150 years ago okay we spent 90 percent of our time outdoors oh, you yeah. know now it's completely switched so when you think that for billions of years mankind were mainly outdoors so when you think about your own think about yourself you're listening to this your own paranoia your own um uh, what uh, insecurities, your own head trips that you're having. And the, the bottom line just could be that you need to get in the outdoors and walk along a stream. That you need to change your, your environment. And Go chase make, a bear. Uh, Go yeah. hook a fish. You, you know, know, like just whatever. Out, yeah. You know, and, and just so, change. Yeah, so... That. Um, reinvent yourself fishing at five years old fly fishing by nine years old i mean what sparked this other than just growing up in the area i mean did you have someone in your life that you know really kind of showed you the way well my dad uh was uh, he he basically was a guide for walton's grizzly boys camp uh out of uh you know, the Portola area there in Plumas County. And he also um, uh, guided people out of Gray Eagle during the summers. He, he was a school teacher, but he, he guided, uh, you know, during the summers when he had nice. time off. Uh, he also was a game warden for a short time, too, up at Lake Davis until he quit when they made him carry a gun. Oh, really? Yeah, kind of a funny, you know, sidebar. He didn't oh want God. to carry the gun no, or what? No. He, you know, when it got to that, he's like, yeah. Huh. See well, I mean, couldn't he just keep it in the truck or what? No, a different era, man. We're talking about, like, you know, back in the era of just easy going. You know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, you know. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll take the gun with me, but. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, most Back then, people kind of followed the rules, so yeah. I don't know. No, I hear you. So when I got home from Iraq, my mom was like, oh, why don't you be a cop? And I'm like, well, because I don't exactly want to carry a gun all day long anymore. Like, that was, I, I didn't, you know, like, walking around with, like, three guns, two guns at least on you, that's... That's, you know, like, yeah. and you're not even looking for an animal or anything. Well, like, my dad enjoyed hunting, and I yeah. actually shot 
One year in my life, uh, the first year I got my hunter's license uh, when I was 12, up by Lake Davis, uh, the area that like, burned, unfortunately, and uh, there he was, you know, and I took a shot and... and uh, Nailed him, huh? Yeah, and it was great, you know, and, and my father taught me how to skin him and everything. Uh, it was... Uh, it was a, it was a really good experience, uh, and then I just you know really found that I really enjoy catch and release fly yeah. fishing. You that know, was I the only animal you out. ever killed. Yeah. Well, large besides like a fish or. No, that was it. Nice. Yeah. You got that experience, so that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I think that all of it, uh, the whole balance, you know, of not being too. Um, you know, I don't know, just respecting uh, nature and then also uh, embracing nature. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And seeing both sides. So, yeah. So, um, obviously, as a child, being, uh, you know, outdoors was a, was a pretty big thing in your life. How about going into like, you know, middle school, like high school, um, you know, w- was the outdoor still a pretty big thing in your life? I know you said you got into, you know, like track and you played yeah. some football too, didn't you? Huh? Yeah. 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 A, a fucking stud, huh? Well, yeah, I was so, so, <laughs> but I was better in track. Uh, I played uh, defensive back. We beat Modoc uh, the year that they were ranked uh, number one in the state for small schools they hadn't lost in two years and we uh-huh. beat them with uh 14 seconds left on the clock nice and uh, the funny thing is i'll actually admit this that um on the kickoff i saw a, a kid from modoc running down towards me with his head down he wasn't even looking so i turned around and ran backwards into him and they got they flagged him for hitting me in the back. Oh, uh, you pulled one of those? Oh yeah, absolutely. And we got the ball at the fifty. Oh, and, and that's we did a hail wild. Mary and we won the game. And I'll never forget it. I saw my coach like you know ten or fifteen years <laughs> later. And he's like, I still remember when you did that play that you did running back. You ran backwards hilarious. into a guy. Into that a is guy, right? fucking hilarious. Right? I mean, whatever it takes to beat Modoc. They were oh, so good. man. So, yeah. Sometimes. Um, just got to be smart. So, yeah. So, what age did you kill that deer at? 12. Okay. So, yeah, that's getting there. And 12. so, I mean, it was like really at 12, you were like, eh, I think I prefer really great. fishing. You know, my dad was the hunter safety teacher, and it was all about everything right. Yeah. All right? But, so, like, you realized then, like, you are like... I think I like fishing this, more. This will blow the listeners away. We used to have outdoor class where we would bring our rifles at oh, 15, yeah, 16 I, to school, and I, we would clean our rifles at school. I had a gun rack with rifles in the gun rack. I mean, you know, Jack, I'll be honest. People my just high knew school, how to act. My high school <laughs> had a shooting range in the basement of it. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, right. And this is Wisconsin. Well, I mean, yeah, this right. is Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> so, <laughs> 15,000 lakes, people. Yeah. I'll never forget the uh, 
parking lot of this gas station where the guy, you know, walks up to the guy from Minnesota and oh, says, I don't I know love why it. you think you're so cool with your 10,000 yeah, exactly. license plate. land of 10,000 lakes. Wisconsin has 15,000. Exactly. Wisconsin has more lakes than motherfucking Minnesota. <laughs> and I bet you didn't know this. Here is a factoid of the day. Wisconsin actually has more shoreline with Lake of Lake Michigan than Michigan does. Wow. Wow, they should call it Lake Wisconsin. Nah, we'll give it to them. I mean, they don't have much else. All right. Right? I mean, the well, you guys got those Packers. You got all this. Yeah. Game. You know what's so funny? Is We're like, like a week and a half away from this from from MLB season ending. Woo. Wow, with the Brewers cruising. Uh, I mean, you got the yeah. Bucks. You guys won that. Yeah, oh we did. God. Yeah, we Who did. Who is cutting the cheese? I mean, like, <laughs> it is happening, right? You know what's so funny is is that here, you know, you've got this state that how did Dallas become America's team? Everybody yeah, knows. I mean, oh, I'm dude, a Raider fan, Dallas. but, how, you know, how – I mean, Green Bay is really America's team, and I want to start a vote to get them off of Thanksgiving and put Green Bay there. What do you think? Green Bay should be representing Thanksgiving, not Dallas. I don't care. Oh, it doesn't matter right. to me. Like right. I watch, you know, whenever the Packers play, I'll watch them. So yeah, I came out of the woods to watch that ass whooping that they took Week One. You know, when I was up on my elk hunt. Matters to me. Screw Dallas. Ha <laughs> right, ha. Right, right, Nice. Nice. That's, cool. that's so, our sound puppy over here. He's yeah. got everything. Man, this is amazing. All these so, keyboards. and I, For anybody really listening out there, you can't believe behind the scenes. This is no small operation here. This is a huge conglomerate it's legit we do it right it's like wow so so as a teenager in high school what did you do outdoors wise or did you focus on did you were you just focused on school no i was kind of like you know the kid that you know would like party yeah yeah did my schooling but you know we were you know, working for the weekend. And, Everybody's working for you know, the weekend. I mean, you know, all of that. You know, <laughs> turn me loose. You know, <laughs> you know all those great eighty hits. That yeah, Martha yeah, Quinn. And, yeah. You know, it was it was a really it's it was a really neat era to uh, be raised in because uh, you know you knew also that once you graduated, if you had a pulse rate. You, you could get a job. You could get a job. It was a good era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, the early 80s, you know, America kind of struggled and the economy was slow and, you know, interest rates were really high, you know, 17, 18%. And then by the end for of the what? 80s, for, for houses. Holy oh, yeah. Cow. They had to do all kinds of seller creativity type of financing during that time. And, huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know that, or in the and then the music so then oh too. that's that's what led the to the recession during, uh, Carter's early Carter. And well, then, you said eighties, so yeah. that would have been like like if interest rates are like seventeen percent and yeah. like 
the early mid eighties, that would like early. affect people like ten years later, probably, yeah. if even that. Well, it it definitely uh, by the time you know, I mean, eighty five came. You know, Bruce Springsteen. You know, Prince, Michael Jackson. All of these great. It was a really neat time in America because uh, there was no wars on the horizon. It was all about, you know. I mean, just, you saw the Cold War going on, right? Just, I mean, of, early 80s. No, because I don't oh, know. That's right. That's I mean, right. Reagan that's when, was that's like Reagan talking, and talking, tear down that wall. And, you know, it came down. But it wasn't just him, it was a whole epiphany. It was also the Scorpions and Gorky Park. And, you know, it was all of everybody in Europe finally waking up and seeing that, you know, these things needed to, to happen. And uh, so, you know, that's my era. And I, I really embrace it. You know, some people are trying to, like, you know, wallow through their era or just get through. And people like Mark Twain, they were noticers. And I try to be a big noticer and learn and l open my eyes and see what's happening and take notes because, you know, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You know, you want to just keep getting better. I agree with that sentiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely agree with that sentiment. So, I mean, like, what'd you do? Did you fish? Well, I definitely school, fished. Uh, did some hunting, but was more into fishing. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, uh, basically left and went down into this real estate world. Why did you leave? Why did you leave? Because I realized that... Did you think... It, I mean, when you remember that, you were... You graduated high school. 18? 17? 18? 18. 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I graduated at 17. And so graduated 18, and that dude that was fucking munching the pizza, oh, 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 this is no place to live, you, that you just like, fuck that dude. Or you just forgot about that dude for a second. Like, what no, made my Jack? Mom, my mom and my brothers uh, were selling real estate in the Bay Area. Oh, okay. And I thought, you know, I, I want to... You know, my dad's a fishing guide and a school teacher. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I want to spread my wings and, you know, be more like them. You know, we yeah. got Tom Cruise, Risky Business. You know, oh, we've shit. Got yeah. Hot you're, cars. You're we've thinking got, about that cocaine, huh? No. Oh, you're I, thinking about that cocaine? No. Oh, no. man. Because no, I, really I know the 80s. And if there's nothing that came out of eighties, it was cocaine. Yeah, but I never was a powder guy. I did a little bit, you know. I always did a little bit of uh, a weed. It, it it never hurt my game. No, but, I mean, uh, hey, but when it really comes hey, down here to it, on the casting couch, yeah, cocaine is okay. No, no, like I actually, I take more. I take a. I take like an Amsterdam stance. You know, I've never done coke. I've never like the only thing I've done is weed and mushrooms. Never done a lot of drugs like acid. No, none of like not like you know hospital. They've given me the morphine. 
like the pills that they give you after surgeries. I never even finish them, you know, like I'm not a drug guy. You know what I mean? But like I appreciate people's rights to want to do drugs. You know what I'm saying? Like if you want to fucking do drugs, do drugs. Fucking go for it, man. You know, if you want to fucking, you know, sip on a little bottle of fucking HGH or MGH, whatever the hell it's called, like, you know, go for it, man. Like, you know, get happy. Do whatever you need to cope. So I'm not a, I'm not a judger at all. Absolutely. About I'm not a drug shamer or judger. I mean, well, I will shame you if you do like crack or meth, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> No, Those are all drugs. no, I just no. Uh, personally, no. I just I think the secret of life is how you affect other people in a positive way. And, you know, let's face it. I mean, you know, powders, they're, they're a little bit selfish, you know, little little weed, little alcohol. Hey, you know, everything's the focus is, is that you're either getting better or getting worse. And you got to put everything in moderation. You know, when I'm trying, I go through different phases of my life. And when I'm trying to achieve, then I'm going to be, you know, focused. And I'm going to, you know, look, you know, if I'm studying for something, say if I've got acting, something acting coming up, I, I may not drink for three, four, five days before that time. Yeah. Uh, if it's something, you know, important, uh, you know, then I know. I know my limits. But I having did, that control I do a month. is so important. Before my alcohol, I didn't drink for a month. Because <laughs> um, you're like a marathon, huh? Getting ready, right? You got to yeah, do. Yeah, I was like just focused. And this is just archery, too. Yeah. I mean, this is the bad completely boys. Completely focused. Woohoo! Cool. So. You're down in the Bay Area, slanging real estate like a motherfucker. Yeah. Money well, making jack. a really good market. Money hey, making jack. And I, then the first open house like, I sat on, I sold. Hey, okay. So money making jack. And then what happens? Why do you have to come up to Mount Shasta? Because I, because I witnessed an attempted murder. What on the fuck? Yeah, true story. <laughs> yes. Make sure you're talking into the microphone okay. when you tell this story. Like well, yes. yeah. Well, like it was this court. Like, like I used to work the expired listings, right? So that was my really, you know, good protege. That when the listing would expire. I would mark down the three best houses of that day in the Castro Valley Hayward area. So then I, um, you know, went up to this house and this guy, Robert Rashid, he lived on a court with this other house uh, in the court. And uh, I didn't know, but I you ended can, up you getting can, the list. You listing. can Google that shit. He just name dropped. Oh, yeah. Dude, huh? Dude fucking Google this shit, people. Uh-oh. No, 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 go for it. Go for it. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. So anyway, don't Google that. Uh, anyway. <laughs> oh, wait. This is not a real Google. story. Come on. No, okay. So anyway, so basically there was this big, you know, like shootout between the two families. Uh, and uh, Like I where was, was the this shootout? It was uh, in... Uh, Castro Valley. No, I mean like, like, 
Like at in the, the woods, like no, 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 at the houses on the streets, at the houses that like I, on the streets. Well, it was it was in this court at this house on now, the streets, like in yeah. in the house on the streets. It was outside of the house <laughs> on <Yeah>. the streets. <laughs> streets, <laughs> man. Yeah, like a shootout between who? Well, like why were people shooting at each other? Because there was this, uh, the one family had a. Um, it was some racial shit, huh? Yeah. It, what happened? Why was what it was happened? An Aryan guy that basically <coughs> and, didn't like this. The family that I represented, which it was, was like a black family, family, or what? No, they were Arabic. Oh, okay. Uh, Saudi Arabian. Saudis? Cool. Yeah. Cool. A okay. really nice family. Man, and, and like hella loot, too, huh? Their son, Abdul, had been beaten by this neighbor when what? he was 15. Uh huh. And so then I was the real estate agent, and we were riding a moped, and I was really happy because I had been showing him houses over in Blackhawk. And so, you know, Jacko at 22 was going to get a big commission, you know, selling their house. See, this family and the other family had feuded so much uh, that the Homeowners Association said, I'll pay the first family $30,000 to move out of the subdivision, right? And, of course, like an Aryan dude's going to be like, I'm not going anywhere. White power. Yeah, he was really (laughs) bad, this guy. Yeah, I never did he say? Did this. he actually say like white power after everything? No, he said? but he was calling no. my real estate office and disguising his voice and asking if the house had sold or whatever. Huh. So luckily, I found the buyer and I sold the house and double ended it. You know, yeah, I, yeah. to get him out of there and yeah. then had the big sale in Blackhawk. Woohoo, Bunny Jack, like you said. But man. like what? Like you just glazed so over then, the shootout. No, what happened with the shootout? So then, like, like who was capping who? Who no, pulled no, out no. first? Abdul's like riding the like moped up and uh-huh. down the the east. Abdul is packing too, huh? No, he isn't. No, no. no? no. And, and so then all of Who's sudden, packing? the Aryan comes out of his house and says, you've been saying shit to my kids. How come Abdul's been saying stuff to my kids? Right. And and I'm like there in my century. Wait, who? 21. He's like, you were saying shit to his no, kids? No, Abdul. Oh, Abdul. Oh. And I'm in my century 21 gold jacket. Like, hello. Right? Abdul is like, hello. <laughs> and then Abdul remembering when he was 15 and now he's like six. Oh, Abdul's the kid. Okay. And he comes up and starts beating the guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the wife kind of jumps him and I hear him elbow her. And then the husband runs in the house, grabs a Grabs a scrap. And starts shooting at all of us. Oh, damn. No. Oh, yeah. damn. So the husband... Wait, 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 wait. The Aryan dude or Abdullah's father? The Aryan dude. Oh, uh, the Aryan dude just went in the house up. and started came walking. Out, came out. And yeah. so then, like, Abdullah wasn't scrapped? Abdullah's pops wasn't no. scrapped? Nobody. Oh, there was no shootout then. It was just like somebody shooting. A shootout is back and forth. Boom, 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 oh, boom, boom. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. No, they, That's what I thought. Shoot. I thought like, man, I was waiting for Abdullah to pull out his scrap no. and start but shooting. But then I'm in the big court case where I'm the only witness. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. had that attorney Tony Sarah. 
the hippie attorney from the Bay Area with okay. the big teeth. Okay. <clears throat> He's really famous. Uh, in my face for, I don't know, two or three days. And then after the court case, got the guy got sentenced for, I, I forget how Damn, many Damn, so Tony Sarah likes fucking racists. Well, you got to like, he doesn't have a choice. He's got to like represent dude, whoever pays him, right? Dude, no. They're People attorneys. have a choice. Like, yeah, no, but fuck this that. Is it Tom Cruise in the firm, dude? Dude, or Jerry Maguire? Like, like come life, on. Man. I know, it is real life. Why cannot people take a stand in real life? Be like, no, I'm not going to take your bullshit money because you're a fucking asshole racist. <laughs> Why can't people do that? Like, motherfuckers want to do that about cakes, you know? If, like, me and you are trying to get married and go get a goddamn cake and fucking wherever, and they're like, uh, actually, we don't sell cakes to gay people because of our fucking religion. You know, like, what's the, what's the difference? What's the fucking difference? It's, it, there's no difference. Exactly. And so it's just like, why can't people just, like, chill the fuck out and, like, like, why can't people just chill the fuck out? Like, yeah. if there's no difference between each other's bullshit, people really need to just relax on all the bullshit. Right. But anyway, And also, like, I, digress. I don't know. But that's a crazy-ass story. But, like, oh, yeah. that's, that's crazy-ass crazy. story. But that's what got me to Shasta, because after that, like, during the case, white like, people his just going brother, crazy, shooting at he black people. was, like, you know, on me, so I, like, moved up to Shasta, took on my middle name, Jack Trout, that's who I am. And, uh, you know, rest is history. I mean, this is a great, great area. Uh, we're always trying to do the Bob Seeger, trying to solve mysteries without any clues. What do you mean by that? Uh, working on a few night moves, you know. And so, Jack, you've been in the area. 28 years. 28 years, and you've been guiding. 27 years. 27 years. Yes. These rivers and lakes, uh, I assume. Yeah, Do you, have you ever done any? That's what I, because that's one of the things that I've actually thought about doing with clients is like the alpine lakes, you know, getting into like a gray lot, gray rocks, because it's just like, you know, like dry fly casting. You just toss something out there, you're freaking, yeah, because yeah. that's what happens when I go up to there, like, you know, just on my family trips and stuff, like, all these little mountain lakes that we have that are, you know, a hike, you know, a mile, two mile hike in, it's just like, why not just take a client in there and fucking fish, or fish, fish yeah. the alpine lakes for all day? Yeah. Well, the right client, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Bring a floaty tube out. Just float it. Toad Lake. That was always a good lake. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, um, you've been in the area 28 years, and knowing you for uh, what, probably like the last seven years? Uh, About? Yeah. Um, Seven, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, you know, what what I appreciate a lot about you is the fact that you're a history buff because I totally know that if you don't know history, then you don't know shit. Like, if you don't know history, if you don't know, like even 
some if if you haven't showed me that you have made an attempt to find out something about the past and how it relates to today or how it can relate to the future like I, I'm not going to take you as a serious individual and so one of the things that I greatly appreciate about you is like you're a fucking history buff yeah so well, what I want to ask is what's like, what's your favorite era in history? Oh, I, I definitely like uh, from about 1835 to 1910. Okay. Yeah. And why is that? Because uh, some of the greatest people that shaped, uh, you know, who we are today came from that era. Mark Twain. Um, uh, um, let's see. Uh, George Hurst. Um, uh, James Beckworth. The Becks. I was going to. Yeah. I have absolutely. my notes to bring out. Yeah. I really appreciate you bringing that man to my my attention. Oh, yeah. I love that guy's story. Well, James Pearson Beckworth is one of the greatest uh, American icons ever because uh, there's probably no one other than the Mormons that helped uh, countless uh, gold seekers and uh, that were coming westward uh, out uh, with his you know, knowledge of uh, he even Kit Carson asked for his advice. I mean, you know, the man has a pass named after him. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, absolutely. He found the lowest. It's pass, the lowest pass. Yeah, in the Sierras in the California. Right, and also too, people have to remember in 1825 with General Ashley, he was on. He was with the crew that found the lowest pass in the Rocky Mountains. He, also, he has some of the crazy stories. Like. Was it a General Ashley whose ass he had to whoop, and then he saved his ass? Well, he saved him three different <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah, 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 he saved him from a buffalo. Like, and he 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 saved him when he was beefing with him. He was like, "I fucking hate you right now, motherfucker," but I'll yeah. still save you. You know, like yeah, that is cool. that's just like fucking. That's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. You know, like a lot of people do not have that type of integrity. Or it's just like, you know, it's like if they just have like some sort of squabble or beef with someone, they'll just fucking, you know, yeah. let them die. Let them go. Well, he was such a superstar that uh, he he tolerated uh, endless counts of, uh, of white bread stupidity. Yeah. You know, and one of the classics with the, with James Beckworth was that he was so smart. He was such a good trailer. And they were always so afraid of being killed from different, you know, Indian tribes, Apaches, Comanches, whatever. Uh, he knew all the tricks. And they wanted to always uh, go with him. And he was like, Dude. fuck you. You ain't going with me. I it's, go alone. That's so, why I live. It's <laughs> like that story about how he, like, they are just like, yeah, this is your long lost brother. Yeah. And they're like, seriously? And they're like, yep. And he's like, okay. And then the man becomes a freaking crow chief. Yeah. You know, like, absolutely. That's, you know, that's that, like, yeah. You know, that like amazing. Well, yeah. absolutely. Especially after for so many other surrounding tribes had owned the crows, uh, 
uh, for a year, the Cheyenne had uh, tortured him for over yeah. 30 years and how he, he, he was so smart and he basically got to the, the pinnacle of it by uh, uh, organizing the trading so that, you know, yep. his commerce yep. that he created for the tribe yep. became their synergy yeah. to, to influence. And then he came back with the American fur traders with General Sumter and uh, traded alcohol to all the rival tribes and it yeah. fucked up all their crops. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I really appreciate how the man, he was like anti-alcohol. He was like, stay away from that stuff. Yeah. I mean, just like, just just one of those guys that's, a, you know, above and, and and beyond his time. Absolutely. You know, the trail he built from Sierra Valley down through the Feather River Canyon to Marysville uh, by 1853, he, he spent $1,682 of his own money uh, to uh, make that trail for the yeah. uh, gold settlers that need to get down there. And the, the mayor of uh, Marysville Screwed promised him. him well, no, him. the town burned down. They oh, promised right. him they were yeah, going to yeah, yeah, pay him. Yeah, but when yeah. the town burned down, they didn't have any money. They had nothing. And so he really wasn't paid back until 1994 when they built James Beckworth Park in Marysville, California. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. yeah. J.P. Beckworth, that guy. Hey, man. I mean, there that you guy, go. That guy, like, legendary. I want to actually, like, write his, write his story. Like, yeah, I think, I think it would be, we, movie. we should write huh? that. Fuck they. Woo! Yeah. We, movie. because, you know, I've done scripts. And so uh, one of the things I thought about is, it like, instead of it being a movie, mm-hmm. like, just make it a fucking, like, six season episode you know what i mean yeah where you can like start from his childhood you know what i mean right because it's crazy like if you think about it like his dad was english nobility like yeah had 12 kids with a slit with like what a sense one of his slaves yeah but was like no you guys are free like yeah. You know, From like Fredrickson, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. And some of the other things in the book that I really love was how he But then learned, they moved to Missouri. But he learned how, how they to, moved to Missouri and his father had to go to court three times for him in order to like prove that he was a free man. Right. You know what I'm and saying? He was born free. Yeah. Yeah. But I so, love no, it. He the wasn't book, actually born free, he was born a slave. But his father was like, no, you're free. Because his mother was a slave, you know? Okay. So, I know, it's like details. Yeah. So, but like, uh, you understand those details yeah. when you've seen that shit. Like, well, I've seen a picture things... of my great, great, great grandmother who was a slave. It's it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild to like actually see one of your relatives... You know, a photograph when they're living, knowing that, you know, it's pretty wild. Yeah, that's that's deep. That's really deep. I mean, I uh, my family came from uh, originally from Belarus and uh, I did my DNA and uh, I'm 51 percent Jewish, 47 percent English and 2 percent German. So. But well, like my question is, how is Jewish a race? 
it is. It's not a religion. It's a race. Okay. It definitely is. Yeah. It's uh, well. That's what it said on the DNA. Yeah. So, yeah. Huh. so uh, maybe with the two percent German, I I wake up in the mornings and I hate myself. Uh, <laughs> arc arc. Thus, uh, people need to joke about their nationalities. Yeah. Hey. Uh, uh, one thing that I really enjoyed about James Beckworth was uh, when he talked about how if he, you know, he had to save General Ashley because he fell in the Green River and he was <laughs> up against a <laughs> uh, Dude, that was a crazy story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he dove yeah. into the river and he said that he learned from the Indians. No, but, like, but like Beckworth's like hanging on to a cliff, like in a sense – like he's Ashley's like he's hanging on to the cliff and and, and oh that's yeah, right yeah, that's yeah, right yeah. that's right that's and, right that's and right and then yeah and then you know beckworth goes in and he says i learned from the indians that you know from the crow that if if i dive and go to the very bottom and swim the bottom of the river up uh that'll be the fastest way to get to Ashley. So, you know, I've done that a couple of times. I, I, I got into the river and went down to the very bottom. And and there really is an amazing current down at the bottom of the river. Um it well works. can I can I tell you something? As a trained hydrologist, I could explain to you what happens. It's actually because water velo- the velocity of water through the water column isn't uniform. The lower you get, actually, in a sense, like at the river bed, at the bottom, water velocity is near zero. So it's like water is barely moving. That's why those rocks and things aren't moving. You know, like even little pebbles, they're not moving off of the bottom. So in a sense, like, you know, and that's the reason. It's because, like, you know, you've got all the rocks and all the pebbles they are creating, you know, just these disturbances and the cool. turbulence and uh what's what's the lower, lower reynolds numbers that's in a sense what it is lower reynolds numbers which is a calculation you have to do to figure out like how fast your velocity is and so uh and in a sense it's pretty cool because like you know you will see certain things when you get once with specific Reynolds numbers. And so, like, you will start to see, like, you know, those bars moving. You know how, like, in a sense, like the Klamath, it's never the fucking same river every year. Because, like, you'll get a bar in one spot one year, and then the next year it's fucking gone. And it's, like, you know, you know in, a, in a different spot down the river. And it's, in a sense, because these Reynolds numbers change, and it's because velocities, flow velocities... But the thing that sucks about up here is we don't get the water anymore. Like, so. Yeah, water. Water's uh, been tough. I mean, it's. uh, I've never seen it so low. um, What do you think about this? These thoughts. Um, You notice that. Like, it seems that we're starting to get a lot of Southern California weather. Do you think that uh, there's just in a sense a creep you know like now the southern california is becoming the tropics we're becoming mediterranean climates as opposed to you know the subalpine 
because in a sense that's what we are. So Alpine, Alpine, and then uh, you know, like in a sense, Portland now becomes you know that Mediterranean climate, and in the Canada, Canada, and uh, um, Alaska, they become like that that rainforest. That uh, you know that that boreal rainforest, deciduous rainforest areas, um, and then we have a lot more snow melt, yeah, glacial melt. Well, it's things like just, that. It's you know, scary. It's just, That's for sure. That thing, I mean, you know, I, I think that this this winter is going to determine everything. If if we have a really, uh, you know, a repeat of what we've had the last two years this winter then we're in trouble yeah i I think that's what we're gonna see i think that's what we're gonna see jack i really do like i mean you saw we got a little bit of rain and the shit just like dissipated on mount shasta so yeah yeah so being here 28 years seeing snow on the mountain snow off the mountain Big fish in your net, little fish in your net, big flows, little flows, bars all over the place. You know, what's some of your favorite local history? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I really enjoy um, Joaquin Miller. Uh, he was, you know, really influential in this area and also uh, his his books. um living amongst the Modocs, but really it was uh, the Shasta Indians that he was talking about. It was all kind of a marketing ploy because that book actually was uh, number one best-selling book in 1878 in uh, England and France. Okay. They were really down on us about how, you know, you know, here, here we escaped from, uh, from the from England, but basically um, they were down on us because of how we treated uh, Native Americans, and uh, and uh, he his book was uh, very popular. Uh, in addition to all the the writings he did in, uh, in magazines and newspapers in the Harper's Ferry uh, during that time, which was kind of the CNN of uh that era and so uh i enjoy uh joaquin miller uh i really enjoy uh mark twain um you know of course coming out to uh to virginia city and uh he was samuel clemens and changed his name and and uh the books that he's written influence uh the territorial enterprise uh that was the uh, most important newspaper between chicago and san francisco because uh it had joaquin miller john Muir, uh they had bret hart they had uh dan DeQuill, who was really william wright uh all all the best writers of that era and uh uh, I, I really enjoy, uh, also, um, oh, you know, Tesla and JP Morgan and, uh, you know, the history of that era in, in, in addition to, uh, all of the, um, uh, 
California Gold Rush and the Nevada Silver Rush, which, you know, are really dear to my heart because, uh, you know, it was just a fascinating era. And, uh, you know, I'm not a... I'm not a fifth or sixth generation Californian, you know. I'm I'm a I'm a Jewish American, you know. I'm, uh, and so you know, embracing America for what it's given to me and my family, what's what's come about, uh, how lucky that I've been to live in you know in the era, and then also go back and study history to appreciate how I got here. Um, but you mentioned the gold rush. Uh, one of the things that you pointed out to me uh, a couple years back that I felt found so interesting was uh, on the Klamath River right there at, uh, might be the Klamath on Bridge, Klamath Bridge, like that huge freaking, like, just scour and deposit. Oh, no, no. That's down by Ash Creek. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was American Bar. Yeah, American Bar. bar. American yeah, bar. like a man-made oh bar. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's crazy. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, like, man versus earth. Moving and making dikes and Yeah. In, yeah. Like, in. But, like, no regard, no regard whatsoever for just, like what that does for an ecosystem. Yeah, but they didn't even know. You know, first of all, uh, remember that in 1847, you had 2,000 European-type people in California. And in one year, 90,000 people came to California from all over. So they didn't give a flying fuck. They didn't even know. First of all, they thought that you could just pull roots and the gold would be attached to the roots. <laughs> they got bullshitted. Oh, all of the people that were selling trips, right, to yeah, get yeah, you here, yeah, right, okay. were selling the oh, sizzle. Oh, shit. Yeah. So yeah. when they finally got here, and half of them showed up sick with cholera. Oh, you know? shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... The Mormons really did people right. I mean, they got people across the the Platte River. Um, uh-huh. They don't give. They're not given enough uh, credit uh, in history for what. Are they you big did. up in the Mormons? No, I, I was actually thinking about the I, Mormons today, I don't, but it was more in a up, sense of I like. I believe in God, like the sky pilot, but I don't believe in like any religion. Yeah, that you're just big in, up in them because they help Western period. settlers. That's it. I yeah, mean, yeah, just yeah. like I was big up in them because and profiteers of, also like polygamy. You know, like have oh, multiple I don't wives. Care about that, any of that? No, I, I don't. Well, even I was thinking about that, that today because I think I think maybe like one of my neighbors has something like that. It's either like there's that going on, like a couple ladies and a guy, or maybe it's like you know just two families. Damn, and the guys look alike. I can't Amazing. figure it out yet. Mount Shasta. I mean, oh no, 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 bro! You know about the Shasta Shuffle? The, oh yeah, no, yeah, right, it's right. the same shit. I hate that Shasta Shuffle. Why do you hate it? Because don't man. hate it. Just it's it is sad. what it is. It's like no. they come here with a big smile on their face, and then the shuffle happens. And... 
Oh, it's well. like, you know, like if they hey. were the ones shuffling the cards at the casino, but they're not. Hmm. They're being dealt. Just kidding. All right. Move hey, on. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. So being a history buff, being a guide for 27 years in this area, mm-hmm. I mean, what are some of the more important issues that you think we're facing um, especially as guides uh-huh. in this area. Uh-huh. Well, for sure, you know, um, it's getting harder to guide because of, I mean, the state just changed the laws for independent contractors and, you know, they have to be employees except Uber is exempt. But so. I thought that's the whole reason this happened. Is because of that Uber vote shit. No. No, Uber gets to keep their employees as independent contractors and everybody else has to make them. But I thought that's what the vote was for. No. Don't you remember that vote that we voted for in November? Yeah. That was like about that? I thought Uber was exempt, right? Mm. No. No, I thought this was targeting Uber to make Uber drivers non-exempt or ex- non-exempt employees. Well, we're going to research this, folks, and get back to you. <laughs> I thought, no, I don't know. We need to check into that. And so that's why, because everybody's like, no, make Uber fucking regular employees, man. And I'm like, no, well, this is going to fuck other people. Yeah, no, it's really hard for me. Because, uh, you know, instead of being able to send business, you know, wherever, if it's somebody I do a lot of business with, you know, uh, they're either going to have to have their business set up, you know, uh, have a federal ID number and, you know, go that route. Or, you know, basically you have to pay all the workman's comp and everything. So. So you basically, know, yeah, it makes it those small in business struggles, small business it's struggles. It's really difficult. It's, it's difficult to. Yeah. Difficult. Uh, as far as like as far low as water, fire, smoke, we lost trips to that. COVID, we lost trips to the forest closing. You know, here I thought, no big deal. We can still guide the Klamath. Uh, we can guide the upper yeah, sack and the true. lower sack. But when the media started reporting that the forest uh, was closed, then all of the Bay Area and all of our market share, you know, yeah. all the people down there. But we were exempt from that because you could still work. Oh, in yeah. The you can still. No, you can work like in Dunsmere. You can't work on the forest. Now it's open. I thought you they, could work. No. I thought there was the exemption that you could work no. in the National Forest. No. Oh, okay. No, it was closed. Uh, they had everything closed off. Boat deck, you know, like up Just at McLeod Lake. The... It was well, closed. Well, but, I mean, even McLeod, like, well, McLeod was blown out for the year anyways, yeah. right? So it's like, yeah. it's not like... Some of the places that we normally guide were so low but I mean that just compounds the situation because you know yeah. there there you go uh, again it, it's difficult to be a guide right now and it sounds like a lot of it is primarily because of ecological reasons you know yeah. fires landslides yeah. 
global warming, global yeah. warming, global warming. I mean, everything's getting hotter, and uh, you know, anybody out there now that's Local. like denying. Like, I'm literally, like, I literally, I don't even want to fish for stamen or steelhead because numbers are so low. Mm-hmm. Like, I I feel bad going out and fishing for salmon and steelhead mm-hmm. because numbers are so low. I, like, I don't even want to have any part with it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's a moral thing Yeah, I'm not on the coast. I usually go over to the Smith or uh, the Lower Klamath, and yeah. I skipped it this year. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I love Beckworth, though. I mean, I could talk talk about Beck. I wish there was more about Beckworth, that guy. That guy, like literally. Oh, it's so, great. More about uh, local Mount Shasta history. I think you talked a little bit earlier about uh, this thing called the G House. I mean, I'm sure my my listeners would love to hear about, you know, local lore. Uh-huh. Can you tell us a little bit about this G House? I like. I was it, about it was it not on record though? Was it yeah. Aaron? Was it Aaron? Do you, do you go and I remember when I text you? I met a guy named Aaron, blah blah blah, who lived um, with you. Do you remember? No, yeah, you never remember shit from me. <laughs> so anyway, what what was this place like? I mean, oh, the G House was a great place that we'd go to uh, after the guide trips, where you know the rafters and the paragliding guys. And uh, the fly fishing guides and the mountain climbers uh, guides would all meet, you know, to have a beer. A beer? You know, and, and, and swap war stories for the day. And spit? Yeah. Spit, nice. you know, like whatever. Guides making out with guides. No. Fucking finding dark corners. No. There were there was some nice girls around. There's time. always nice girls. Yeah, it was great. Girls are yeah. The guides liked each other, but not that much. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you guys, I mean, like this place is notorious for what reason? Just because? Uh, because we'd go there to party after work, uh-huh. and. People would come from all over the world to sleep on the lawn. Like how many people would you say? Oh, I've seen like, I don't know, 25, 30 people on the lawn all in sleeping bags. And my friend would be like, be careful, dude, on your way to the street, man. There's a lot of lawn larvae out there. (laughs) (laughs) And these are just like random people. The funniest part was like one time somebody said, yeah, dude, you know what they call them when they're like, getting sick on the lawn right and i'm like what these like lawn maggots <laughs> that's funny no it was it was the day it was an era it was it was really because i mean know? you mentioned there there's some like especially for around here in mount chasta there's some iconic people that would show up at this place oh yeah so oh yeah crazy e and styles larson yeah it was jim Wilberding's place he he rented it out he you know he's like 
you know, like the godfather of Mount Shasta. I mean, he's just hilarious. He'd always be down there driving through town in his white pickup truck and down there at Mike and Tony's for a drink. <laughs> and, and every everybody loved old Jim Wilberding. Uh, even made a couple of his recipes I saw in the... Uh, uh, the Buddhist, you know, place off a of summit. They yeah. had him in the t- cookbook. Oh, really? Yeah, they had a cookbook that was, you know, like. <laughs> anyway, that that's real local. Nice. So yeah. uh, that was fun, and uh, also, um, you know, all the people like uh, Luke Hansen that yeah. passed away here in the last couple of years. You got um, any good leaf stories? Oh, my, my God, I got the best leaf story. I'm working up at the ski park. All of us are shoveling snow. It's like 1994, 1995, and, you know, it's just like Superman, man. You just look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, dude, it's Leaf Hansen. It is paraglider, you know, oh, and he was funny. doing circles, and it was... It was so beautiful. I I still, you know, and then he he just comes down and lands so gracefully, like, you know, like Hollywood actor, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comes up and. He's done it a million times. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And he's just getting ready for ski patrol. That's awesome. And uh, the time that we were up there together for this, you know, one of the most important, significant, Things that ever happened in the Mount Shasta era for me was when String Cheese Incident played at the Mount Shasta Ski Park. Uh-huh. Uh, that was so amazing. And, you know, he was in charge of the bar up there uh, outside. And I helped him. And, you know, it, it's really, you know, other times when I saw him do construction and he made doors uh-huh. that were just so beautiful. And so, you know, one of the most... Uh, I think in my era, one of the most important people I've ever met in Shasta uh, is definitely Leif Hansen. That's awesome. really influenced me. And also, remember my rafting and all of this stuff. He was one of the ones that took me down and uh, coached me and mentored me uh, with my late sister. Uh, So I'm always indebted uh, to him because of that. Yeah, you know, I, I love that. No, Leaf. I never got to meet him, but I hear he's just—he's yeah. yeah. an amazing person. And just and so people know out there, we're, we're we're talking about a guy who uh, he he was with his kayak and he he had helped build the trail down Box Canyon uh, t- for the Upper Sacramento River, and he fell, and he fell to his death. And it was very, very uh, sad. Uh, it, it's devastating. Uh, the community probably will never heal because yeah. of how important he was, uh, you know, as an icon oh, to this area. Member of this yeah. community. So, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, I give him the highest props. I love the dude. Yeah. Nice. Thanks for that story. But, Jack, mm-hmm. one more story from you. Mm-hmm. What is your most memorable outdoor story? I mean, just the story that you, number one story you would tell anybody. It's just like, what's the craziest thing that's happened to you when you are out in the woods? Wow. Let's see here. 
Well, I mean, um, I have some pretty good stories of when I was down in Chile. It can be X-rated too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I've had a, yeah. met some girls. Like I say, I don't but slut shame. People don't want to hear that. I don't slut. Yeah, it's called the casting couch. What do you think people uh, tune in uh, this thing for? <laughs> uh, uh, I've had a couple of tours, you know, early on where you know the the girls. Uh, uh, it it was great. But the story that I really enjoy is uh, being down in southern uh, Patagonia, Chile. And after lunch, uh, we hooked about a 15-pound trout. And it took an hour and 45 minutes uh, to land. Holy cow. That story and also the black tip shark that I caught in the Bay of Pigs in Cuba uh, that took me about the same, about an hour and 45 minutes. So to tell land. a story, man. Tell oh, it was story. unbelievable. Well, my guide gave me the fly. And uh, so I had this big, white, long, like, striper fly you would use uh, in the, you know, Sacramento River. Okay. And, uh, you know, I had been doing trips down in Cuba. I owned Cuba Classic Tours. So I was setting up off the cruise ships all of the car tours for vintage cars and stuff all over Cuba. And uh, that was during Obama's uh, uh, presidency. It was so wonderful, you know, for like four years, man. I had like, I really had a great business going in Cuba. And uh, it, it was, uh, you know, and the State Department knew, OFAC knew, everybody knew. I, you know, I had it on the web. I wasn't trying to hide anything. Yeah. The Americans were c coming off the cruise ship. They wanted tours. Yeah. And uh, we weren't supposed to let people go to the Tropicana and Hemingway's house. Uh, we were like, fuck that, man. They want to see everything. They don't want to just see, you know, they want to know about the orphanages and the people yeah. that are impoverished. But what but, these people want to know about is that 15-pound fish. And they wanted to go down to the Zapata, you know, and it was really a neat era because uh, they opened up this section that hadn't been opened since 1958. Uh -huh. And we had people getting grand slams so you could catch... You know, a tarpon, a permit, uh, okay, uh, bonefish. It was so much yeah, yeah, fun. Yeah. Everybody was having such a good time. You know, they really need to open Cuba again. It doesn't make any sense to have our, Cuba, yeah, Cuba, yeah, yeah, Cuba. To, to have our our uh, enemies. You know, the people that you know we don't support. You know, Russia, North Korea. You know, ninety miles from our shores. Why wouldn't we? You know, secure it. You know, other than Guantanamo Bay. But, yeah. yeah. Huh? I mean, military industrial complex, anybody? Fuckers. So, yeah. 15 pound fish. You got I, this thing on you or what? No, no, no. I caught a 51 pound 51 black pound. tarp, black tip shark on my fly rod on my 11 weight holy cow it was so amazing tell me what a story fish. you saw well, it i saw it i how saw him you... take the fly and you yeah. know and how do you fish for an how do you fish for a shark well we were cruising around this you know he he knows where you know the guide felipe uh -huh. knows you know where to go were you looking for in. shark or were you looking no, for anything okay permit okay. You know, all of a sudden, you know, he's like, something's moving over there, cast at 11 o'clock. Uh -huh. 
put it out there and I'm taking a strip and, you know, yeah, here yeah, comes yeah. this shark. It's following dun, and boom. Dun, 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 you know, the first dun, one I dun, broke dun, off, it dun, was even bigger. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, so. it was. But and so, like, the, the first one, one you caught, it, I, you I broke it. Broke it was even off. bigger. Holy shit. And the world record on and a fly using an 11 is 70, weight? Huh? 77 pounds. Holy cow. So this might have been bigger. Yeah, 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 But I broke him off, but I got the 51-pounder in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so... So hour second. and a half fight, you said? Oh, yeah. Holy cow. You got that kind of stamina still? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's why you stick the trout these days, huh? Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. No, that w- that's... Those trips down to Cuba, that was my greatest era. Really, really great. And uh, I even got to uh, bring down uh, Congressman Tom Harmon, Republican from Orange County. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had him with me and his murder mystery wife. She even wrote a book about her trip called Murdered in Cuba. And it's about me and my ex solving murder mysteries on our fly fishing guide oh, trips. Oh, shit. She wrote two books. Oh, okay. Murdered in Cuba and Murdered Are you getting anything Argentina. off of that? Like I did. Likeness? I got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I got paid. So, That's what's yeah. up. I like that. And then, um, so those trips down there were so cool. And also, I love the um, lobster there, the rum, the cigars, yeah. everything. Oh, my God. Uh, you the know, sloppy life, joes huh? were invented in Havana in 1917. A lot of people what? don't know that. Sloppy joes came from You Havana. know where I'm going to go with that, right? No. Adam Sandler. Oh. Sloppy joe, slap, sloppy joe. Sloppy joe, slap, sloppy joe. Exactly. Oh, they had pictures at Sloppy Joe's in Havana, Cuba, of uh, of uh, Frank Sinatra at like 22, all fucked up really? at the bar. Oh my God, these pictures must be worth thirty thousand each, because there he is. He's like 20. Uh-huh. Uh, he couldn't be over 20. Yeah. You know, and they have Hemingway's pictures and. Uh-huh. Everything, you know, I, yeah. I really liked it there. And, you know, it doesn't make you a communist. You know no. what I have to say? Hey, tourism. Most, most people don't even know what communism is. Tourism will defeat communism every time. Just <laughs> let it let it do its job. Seriously, that's what I say. All right. Get those American dollars in there and say goodbye, yeah. communism. Well, Jack, I want to share with the listeners. Um you know, I've been gone for the last couple of weeks. Last mm. two weeks, uh, I was I had my elk hunt up in Washington, so I went up there and I disappeared into the woods for a couple of days, do some scouting, and uh, spent three days in the woods for my first trip because uh, I left uh, like a week before the season opened, like so I can do some scouting, try to get on some elk because I know like. Normally, it takes me about four days until I see an animal, like if I'm stringing days together. So four consecutive days to see animals until I see an animal. So, uh, you know, I uh, disappeared in the woods, got to a place where I had gotten verbal intel that there might be some elk. And uh, 
didn't see anything. But, you know, some, like, backpackers, hikers who said they didn't see anything, hear anything, see any sign. Uh, which, I mean, it's it was still early in the rutting season because I was hunting archery during the rutting season. And uh, normally during the rutting season, from what I hear, I mean, this is my first elk hunt. So from what I hear, like, they're more vocal at night. So it's like if I'm around them at night, I should probably be able to hear them, which was not happening the first three nights that I was out there. And I covered, um, you know, probably about 30 miles at, you know, about 10 miles each day that I was out there. Cool. And, uh, and it was like a lot of up, a lot of up, a lot of up. And so, uh, so I was like, trying to get into some places where other people weren't to hopefully get into some places where the elk were. Uh, but not seeing any sign. People said they saw no sign. So I came out of the woods in time to actually meet with my father-in-law and my brother because my brother came into town and he actually uh, flew in. And so... I met with my father-in-law, and then uh, we got a nice little comfy hotel for the night, and then picked up my brother, and then we disappeared into the woods that next day. And uh, that day, we um, got into a trail, which actually, um, I mean, for a while had not been maintained. And so, I mean, I was there in June. And there was, I mean, I had at least four log crossings, blowdowns that I had to get over, um, I mean, within the first two miles because the trail just hadn't been maintained. But um, we get there, and I was doing some scouting. I left the place where I was, and before I actually met up with my father-in-law and my brother... I went into this place uh, to find out exactly like what the situation would be like and found out actually there was a crew in there that had cleared it for about six miles. So uh, we walked in and uh, for about three, four miles and um, met up with the crew who was doing the clearing. And, um, you know, we camped with them the first night Got a little intel from them, uh, walked out um, because they said they'd see nothing. But, you know, I mean, that's what happens. You know, sometimes elk, they just make themselves scarce, especially if they're if you're winding them, uh, if they hear something. So, uh, you know, that crew, they let us know that the only thing they'd seen was uh, deer, uh, which I had a deer tag. But I mean, really, my primary focus was elk. I was out there just to, if I sniffed, seen, heard elk, I was getting after it. And so, uh, you know, we uh, walked out, didn't see anything. We actually ran into some other hunters that were uh, scouting for their deer season that was coming up uh, the next week, the following week. And um, they said that, you know, they had been up there in the winter and seen no sign of elk and gave us some other locations that we might want to try out. So we took their advice and uh, got out of the, backed out of the woods, 
had an, another nice little night in a hotel. And uh, then, um, you know, uh, got back into the woods after that. And, um, you know, tried one place and actually um, ran into a woman who said that she had been about 10 miles into the woods and didn't see any elk. So we decided to try another place. And so um, third place that my brother, my 77-year-old father-in-law tried, we uh, go in walk about a mile and a half in, find a camp spot, camp there, and decide to hit this ridge trail the next day. So we've got to do a river crossing or a creek crossing. California is more like a river, but we did a little creek crossing. And uh, then we hit this ridge through about seven miles. And we saw see no sign, hear no sign. And about seven miles in, we're like, well, I mean, we got all this other intel about other places we can go. Maybe we can, you know, go to this place, go to that place, you know. And I'm and the the tag I have and the unit I'm hunting, it's an any elk, and so I can, you know, I really love to shoot a mature bull if I see one. Um, but like I say, I'm not seeing any sign, and so I'm considering now moving locations to shoot a spike buck. Or, you know, a spike bowl, um, you know, just to get some meat in the freezer. So, freaking, we're walking, walking, and we're descending this hill, and this is probably eight miles in. And then all of a sudden, Jack, don't leave. And then all of a sudden, my brother and I, we both hear just the faintest bugle. My brother's like, I heard something. And I'm like, yeah, I heard that too. So I drop my pack, and we sit there. And we just listen. My brother, he throws out a couple cows. Meow, meow, meow. And then all of a sudden we hear a... Just hear this bugle. And it's... I'm like, oh my God, you guys, get behind it. Get behind the tree. Get behind the tree. I tell... Like, I just freaked out because this bull sounded so close. I definitely needed... You know, like, we're going to get a shot. We're going to get an opportunity. This bull's coming in. So my brother, I mean, he's really, like, laterally, you know, about 15 yards away from me. We can see each other. We're eyeballing each other. And then, you know, we just hear the crashing of this bull coming through the woods. And all of a sudden, 40 yards, this bull pops out of the woods. And I'm like, holy cow. But then he disappears behind these bushes. And so I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't. I have no shot. I can't see. Like I've got, like, eyes on this bull, and he's a nice six-point, but I can't even, like, I can't, I can't, I can't see the bull. You know, I've got no shot. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I just need him to step into this window, and I've got a nice shot. And I just, all I can remember is Mike at the bow shop telling me that if you step you know that is that you don't want to draw back until the bull steps into your shooting lane because then he'll stand there and he'll give you all day to shoot i mean i forgot the all day to shoot part because this bull after a minute of standing behind the bushes steps into my shooting lane i pull back and this bull stops and my brother 
he says that he thought that I slipped when I pulled back because my draw, my draw cycle was so fast. I mean, I was so excited, I guess, that I just like, like everything went out the window. Everything went out the window. Like just, I just, just mental, just, I was racing like a rabbit pulling back. And so I pull back and I don't even remember really aiming at this bull and I shoot and it shoots fly. My arrow flies like three feet in front of the bull and the bull takes off. I try to get him with a couple mew, 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 mew. He's not coming back. I figured he's over the next ridge. And so, you know, the next day I get up there and uh, I, uh, I, 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 I go and I try and hunt the, the next ridge over to find this bull. Only thing I see is a freaking like 500 pound bear at 126 yards, but he can like hear every word that we're whispering. So he takes off and you've got no chance to stalk him. And uh, my brother, he's got to get back to Wisconsin at that point. So that was, in a sense, the end of that hunt up in Washington. But it was pretty awesome to, you know, be able to call in a six-point bull, a nice mature bull at 60 yards. And 60 yards is definitely in my wheelhouse. I should have smoked that bull. But, um, you know, my first archery elk hunt, and I got really excited and I just like, you know, the way I described it is like prettiest girl at school freaking came up to me and was like, hey, do you want to go out? And I was like, hey, she was like, huh? And I was like, hey, and she said, mm, OK, I think I'm going to go talk to Bobby. And I'm sitting there just like, what in the hell just happened? So. Yeah, I mean, it was somewhat a disappointment. James Beckworth would have nailed it. He That's definitely would. That dude, yeah. If you, you haven't know, read when his, you have to. If you, you haven't read his like, biography. When you have, like, in his book, he's got six bullets. Dude, yeah. And he ended up feeding the yeah, entire. Exactly, exactly. 300 I'm no Beckworth. What can I say? I never fucking said I was. No, you know but what I'm you saying? Did, you're, you know what? You're honorable because you did yeah. it with the. Uh, a bow and arrow and it's you know, a different time 60 too, yards. You know? I like, mean people I listening think, to this yeah, think yeah. about it. I he's in my wheelhouse. It's sixty uh-huh. yards. I should have gotten him. Come on. I yeah. Mean, you know. Archers no. Archers right? no. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I like but, that. I mean it was awesome. Like it was his feet. I mean you know? it was he awesome it. that this bull comes in sixty yards. Like really forty awesome. yards. I mean, if I had been, in, if I had been thinking right, you know, amazing. like I could have been set up better, like sent my brother, right. you know, down another 50 yards. So the bull actually comes closer to me. But really, the main yeah. thing I really needed to, to really focus on and understand and comprehend was slowing down and just really like yeah. understanding I had all day to shoot this bull oh i remember this like the same thing when i'm out casting to a permit or a tarpon yeah slowing down it's hard because you're so excited it's like the pinnacle of your everything you exist for you know but that's the thing it's like if you don't if you don't slow down i mean you're gonna miss it anyways so it's like you know if you don't give yourself that shot you're not gonna get it anyways so you gotta (laughs) slow down so Jack, classic stories. Jack, I want to thank you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Hey, so much for coming on to the casting couch. And uh, can you tell people where to find you? 
Yeah, uh, you want to get a hold of me, you know, you can check out the website at jacktrout.com. It's all one word. Or, uh, you know, give me a call at 530-859-8087. That's the two best ways. Or, you know, Jack Trout on Facebook. Um, You know, I'm all about good. And uh, I just uh, think the secret of life is how you affect others in a positive way. That's always been my creed. Awesome. Jack, thank you so much for joining me on the casting couch. And I want to thank you, send a, sh- send a thank you out to the listeners for this week for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Quinn. <laughs>